Please, God. Hey there everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Horror Crypt Podcast, episode number 111. And today I'm going to be sticking with the 1980s theme and this is a movie that I've actually did the remake of and I thought the remake was absolutely outstanding and I'm even waiting for the next one in the series but I've gone all the way back to 1981 and for the next three weeks I'm going to be doing this one, then part two, then part three. What movie am I talking about? I am talking about Sam Raimi's awesome movie, the Evil Dead, or as we all know it, just take the the out of it and just have it as Evil Dead. Now, as I said, I did do the remake of this movie, and as I said, that, that one was absolutely spectacular. I think the gore and guts and kills and everything else was just outstanding. So when you watch that movie and then you go back to the original, it's, it's very tame by comparison. I think a lot of the special effects was very, very campy. They didn't really do it for me. The makeup was, uh, yeah, okay. But uh, the guy who steals the show is Bruce Campbell. And obviously, as we all know, Ash, that goes through number two and number three, and even till we've got Ash versus Evil Dead. You know, this is he's the quintessential good guy in the entire franchise. And I, I love Ash. I think he's absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of believe I actually haven't done this movie. I mean, I with all the movies that I've done, and now I'm up to number 111, I would have thought for some way I would have done number one, two, and three. But I just, I went back and I've skipped over the entire franchise of evil evil dead so i thought you know what i'm going to do it for the next so for the next three weeks in a row evil dead one two and three that is my goal in life so strap in strap on whatever you want to do because this is what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks in a row now remember i am on social platforms facebook at horror crypt podcast or i'm on uh horror crypt cafe you can join the um social group there it's a great group to go and, and join and just hang out with and give us ideas of movies you like and just talk everything about movies this is what we do we just talk about movies and talk about all horror movies this is where we're in this is the community we've built so we love it and adore it so you know as i said i've got that there you can call you can contact me directly horrorcrypt2022 at gmail.com now there you can just obviously interact with me you can give me ideas of movies that you'd like me to review and i look i love people giving me ideas of movies that i that i could actually sit and watch because you know i've got my own ideas and as i said last week we did the chopping mall and uh you know that's a movie that i just happened to find because i saw it in a in a video store in the late 80s and thought yeah i'll watch it and then i didn't get around to it and then saw it in the late 90s and i'm like yeah i'll watch it never got around to it so now i'm doing this podcast i'm like you know fuck it i'm going to be doing these out of the out of the way sort of movies so you know i've got another lot of movies coming up i've got uh, one which was that starred linda blair and if you're thinking hang on you've already done the exorcist no this is a movie the movie that she did after the exorcist part two um but we'll get to that as we go down the track but that's another movie that i saw the the poster i'm like yeah i'll watch that movie and then never got around to it well now i i, I do have shutter so i can find it and i can sit and i can watch it Remember, I am not endorsed by Shudder in any stretch of the imagination, although if anyone that's listening from Shudder would like to sponsor me, I'm up for the physical challenge or the Pepsi challenge, whichever one you want to do. But getting back to this movie, this movie was released in uh, the 15th, sorry, the 15th of October, 1981. It runs for 85 minutes. It The budget for this movie was $375,000. Now, it took at the box office... 2.7 million dollars that was in 1983 
or if you equate it to this time now, $29.4 million. And as we do realize, it actually had two sequels, Evil Dead Part 2 and Army of Darkness in 1992. And of course, now we have the Evil Dead in, in 2013. But we also realize that now we have got a new movie that's just come out called Evil Dead Rise. And I am so orgasmically excited to watch that movie. But I really hope that that movie is not going to let me down and go, okay, so this is how good that is. You've seen all the great parts, which was in the preview. Now you just have to swim through the garbage. I hope to God it's not like that because I am Evil Dead from beginning to end love the movie love the franchises so i really want this evil dead franchise to keep going and keep kicking me in the balls the way it should because i love the fact these movies really um can just really punch you in the face so you know i'm i'm all for that but we are talking about the original the evil dead and uh, look before we get started on this podcast uh, i think we need to listen to the trailer so sit back and relax because here is the trailer of evil dead hey scotty what's this place like anyway well, the guy that's renting it says it's an old place. A little run down, but it's right up in the mountains. It is entitled... Nacheron de Manto, roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. It deals with demons, demon resurrection, and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain. Something in the woods do this to you? No, it was the woods themselves. They're alive, Ashley. The dream. Spades. Two spades. Jack of diamonds. Jack of clubs. Before we get into the meats of this movie, I've always been very intrigued to find out there's there's a scene in the movie. Now, if you've got the Blu-ray version of this movie, you are not going to see this. You have to have the original version. Now, I always wondered what the hell is going on because one of the scenes we see is that we have got our car that's driving across the bridge and for some reason there is a guy, an obscure guy, we don't know who it is, standing on the right-hand side of the bridge just watching the car go across. And I've always wondered... Okay, so that's got to be a that's got to be a crew member or something. Who the hell is that? Well, I found out through Wikipedia. Thank you very very much. That producer Robert 
Tappet can be seen standing in the bushes when the car crosses the bridge. He is digitally erased on the Blu-ray version, but I'm like, oh my God, I swear to God, I've never known who the hell that person is. But there he is, literally standing in the <laughs> standing in the bushes as the car goes across. And it always been, as it always intrigued me, as if just, you know, I just like, well, who, why, how, what's going on? So, but I've got so many great um, bits of trivia at the end of this movie, and it's it's bits of continuity errors. It's got some, you know, fun facts, some trivia in this movie. So I've I've got a whole lot of stuff that I can let you know. There's over, I think there's like a hundred and fifty bits of trivia, continuity errors, plot problems, um, you know scenarios that just don't make sense so there's so many look i understand that this this guy's very first movie that he's doing so you can't sit there and go okay you know you got to give him got to give him a little bit of credit that this is his first one so you know give him a bit of a chance to get through this but i do like the fact that there are so many problems and so many continuities in this movie but i'm going to get to that obviously at the end of the podcast so the movie actually opens up where we're watching a very slow pan across a uh, i'd say a very horror i mean it looks like a, a, a lake but it's not really not a lake it's just water it's it I don't know how you'd actually explain it. It's really not a lake. It's not something you'd actually get on a, really a boat and row out and have a nice time. It's almost like a, a quagmire. But it, you're seeing some water and you're seeing some dry ice in the water that's bubbling up and making smoke and stuff like that. So it's really not, you know, very impressive. It's just showing you that there's woods and there's water and stuff like that. And then we transition to um, a car and we're seeing a car go through a bridge or sorry, through a tunnel. And we are introduced to our characters and the characters is Linda and obviously his uh, and his her boyfriend Ash we've got his sister Cheryl and his friend Scott and Scott's girlfriend Shelley and of course they're all heading over to an isolated cabin in rural Tennessee I don't even know where this movie was shot but it's in rural Tennessee um, and we're just being introduced to the characters and they're talking about well what's this cabin like and Scott's like well I really don't know I I've, I haven't seen it but apparently it's off the beaten track and it's out in the woods and it's very secluded and I love how <laughs> Linda basically says well this is great we're going to a place that we you've never seen you've never being there and he's like no nope, never have so we're really getting this com you know conversation backwards and forwards we also seeing that ash is the one sitting in the back seat and he's supposedly supposed to be the navigator of this whole trip and we do see that there is a truck coming up on the opposite side of the road causing them almost to have an accident and of course you know this is where we see that the um the steering sort of like has a bit of an issue and when scott goes to to ash you know it wasn't my fault you know the the car almost pulled to the left hand side and ash is like well hang on i just you know i just took this to get a, you know a front end alignment and everything else and it should be okay and you know scott's like well you better take it back because there's a good chance that there's something that they didn't do and he says really the only thing that really works is the horn and he gives it a bit of a toot now he's nowhere they're on a dirt road okay but in the next scene we see them driving along paved road and there's two guys we don't know who these people are they're just obviously people walking on the road that start waving as scott beeps the horn and then of course it's at this stage that scott sticks his head out the window and says oh shut up i wasn't wasn't beeping at you but the continuity is already such where it's like, okay, we've gone from paved road. So we've gone from non-paved road to paved road. So it's like, okay, so <laughs> what are we doing here, Sam? What was going on here? You know, this, this whole thing, you know, uh, Sam Raimi's idea of making a movie really has to start at the core of let's keep the continuity proper as we're going along. Don't, you know, don't go all over the place already. 
we do see now that they are pulling up to um, the, the obviously the bridge that they're going to go over. And this is where that obscure person happens to be the producer, happens to be standing there watching the car cross the, cross the bridge. It's also really interesting to note that um, when we do see that the, uh, the car is crossing over the bridge, and Scott's the driver. I don't know why Ash is not the driver because this is Ash's car. But anyway, Scott's the driver. And as the car goes over the other side of the bridge, Ash, Linda, and Cheryl have disappeared from the back seat. <laughs> so it's like, um, uh, okay, well, that's really interesting. <laughs> you know, there's another another bit of the continuity you know, error there where it's like, um, so shouldn't you guys actually know where... Everyone's supposed to be at this time. There's supposed to be people in the back seat, but apparently, no, we can't have, have that sort of situation going on. So, nope, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. So, it's like, okay, all right, we'll go with that one. So, we do see them pulling up to the to the uh, the cabin, and they're, they're getting out of the car. And, of course, this is when the rest of them happen to stand away from Scott, and Scott's walking towards the, the door of the cabin. Now, there's some tremendous lens flare going on right now. So, even the lens, you know, the, the camera guy didn't really understand that pointing your camera almost directly into the sun doesn't really work because you're going to have a huge amount of lens flare, but we'll go with it anyway. So it's all good. It, this is Evil Dead, the, the original. So we've got to you know, cut Sam Raimi some slack. So we do see that uh, Scott's walking towards the cabin and as he's walking towards, we can see there's a porch swing and it's moving on its own backwards and forwards, hitting against the side of the of the cabin. But just as Scott arrives and puts his hand on the doorknob, the door suddenly, the, the, uh, the, um, porch swing suddenly stops banging against the, uh, the the cabin so it's like okay that's rather scary and now he's now the security in this place is very very interesting because he's trying to find where the the keys are now if he's renting this property from us from someone you would think that they'd maybe send him the keys but no they've actually just put it on a ledge above the door so literally running your hand across the top you found the key you open the key, open the door and in we go and it's a very very run down dilapidated cabin so it's not somewhere that i'd sit there and go well this is this is going to be a rather cozy time you know to spend it's very very run down it's, it looks almost like it should be condemned but so the you know, the evening unfolds. We're unpacking the car and putting it all into the cabin, and we're all just getting ready. We've got the fireplace going and stuff like that. And uh, we also see that Cheryl, he, she's a very accomplished drawer, and she's sitting there drawing the clock that happens to be in um, in the, the. I'm thinking it's in her bedroom or close to her bedroom. Anyway, she's drawing a drawing the clock. Very very nice looking drawing. But of course, all of a sudden. She hears a faint demonic voice telling her to join us, and it's like, that's, okay, that's an interesting, you know, thing to hear. Then suddenly, her hand becomes possessed and turns pale, and she starts drawing a completely different picture that has got nothing to do with the clock that she happens to be drawing. And it turns out that she draws a book with a demonic face on its cover. And we don't know what it is, uh, and we were actually going to find out in a moment. But she's very shaken, but she doesn't mention the incident. She just like, oh, that's really interesting, what picture that I drew. I don't know why I drew that, but oh, well, I won't tell anyone, and we'll just go on with our night. So as we are um, in the living room, there's a trap door in the living room floor, and we're hearing some noises coming from the cellar. And so this is where Cheryl and Linda and Shelley and, of course, Ash are sitting there going, well, I'm not going down there to find out. But, of course, Scott's like, no, nope, I'll go down there. So I'll grab the flashlight and I'll go down and see what's going on. So he walks down into the cellar and he just disappears. We can't, we don't know where he's gone to. Um, you know, there's Ash yelling out to him Scott's name. He doesn't answer. So finally he's like, okay, well, 
I better go down there and see what's going on. Give me a flashlight. And this is where Linda goes, well, that was the only flashlight that we bought. So here's, here's a hurricane lamp. You can go down there. So uh, you can take that down there with you to try and give you some light. So he goes down into the cellar. And of course, we do see that Scott happens to, you know, I think he was playing some sort of practical joke on, on Ash by not answering him. And they find a second door they open up, which goes further into the cellar. And they find uh, there's a Sumerian book. Well, it's, it's, it's a, a Sumerian version of an Egyptian book called The Book of the Dead, which is called Natumo de Monto. And, and it's, he also sees um, a, a tape recorder. Now, this is the old reel-to-reel tape recorders. Now, I don't know if anyone knows that. I'm sure my older listeners, listeners might actually know what it is. It's you put a tape on one side. It's, you know, like, it's almost like a, a... Oh, God, it's really hard to explain. You've actually got to feed this tape through from one side to the other side and that's how you run the tape so if you think of an old cassette tape where you've got the the ribbon on one side and the ribbon is then fed through to the other side and that's how you play it and that's how you get the sound so you we're seeing a tape old tape to tape um, cassette player and uh, we all find out that this is um, Dr. Raymond Noby's uh, tape recorder he's actually an archaeologist and so they take the items upstairs because they actually want to you know, investigate more about what this uh, this whole thing is and they go to start playing the tape now this is where ash finally comes to the table and he says okay i've got the the tape recorder and and this is what is actually on it so everyone just be quiet because i want to hear what's what's on this tape okay shh. listen to this this is the tape i found downstairs it has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. Here I continued my research undisturbed by the myriad distractions of modern civilization and far from the groves of academe. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated, Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. It deals with demons, demon resurrection and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's domain. The first few pages warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant, but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life through the incantations presented in this book. It is through recitation of these passages that the demons are given license to possess the living. Hey, what'd you do that for? It's just getting good. I just don't want to hear it anymore, that's all. Now, one thing about this movie that I, I find very interesting, and that's the fact that there's a lot of... Um, a lot of puppetry work. There's the special effects are very, very minimal. The, the, the makeup effects aren't all that good. They've got a lot of um, claymation that goes on in this movie. Certainly, it carries over. The claymation really carries over into part two, which we're doing next week. But it really does show you that, you know, Sam Raimi is really at his infancy as regards to um, movie making, and and he has done some movies, you know, in the past, but nothing to this scale. And we all really also get to see that um, Bruce Campbell, really, really young Bruce Campbell, but this was one of his very first feature-length movies. And we also realise that he's going to be the final girl. Um, I'm sorry to say that, but he's going to be the final girl throughout this movie. But uh, we do see that the girls are starting to get rather freaked out about this, this 
you know this tape that they that uh, they've found and i understand that because you know you're hearing something about the demons and you're hearing something about resurrection and stuff like that and really it just plays into the old folklore that we all have is that you know things that go bump in the middle of the night you know we don't get up to investigate you know it's like oh my god you know we all have that understanding that the witching hour is 3 a.m now that's the the time between you know that the the world between the living and the dead is the thinnest veil so we all all have that thing we wake up at three in the morning going oh my god and there are so many things now on on you know uh, social media that they claim that they've got you know ghosts and demons and they've videotaped you know ufos and stuff like that look i i i, I play along with it for a bit of a good laugh but you know in all honesty come on people just you know <laughs> calm down a little bit all right it's 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 really it's just the the stuff of folklore and legends and you know stories behind closed doors so we really have to start looking about, you know, what is really real and what's really not. So, you know, you're hearing all this and Cheryl and Linda are really, um, sorry, Shelley and Linda are sitting there going, yeah, I'm not very interested in this. And uh, this is when Scott goes, well, hang on a minute. You know, I it was actually really getting good. I actually want to listen to the rest of it. Hey, come on. I just want to hear the rest of it. No big deal. Tatra a mistrobin hazarta. Tatir mano. Shut it off. Kanda. Shut it off. Kanda. So as we hear, Cheryl absolutely freaks the hell out, and it's at that moment that suddenly a tree breaks through one of the cabin's windows. So I was like, oh my god, it's all happening. But really, it's just, you know, the possibility of there's a lot of wind and everything outside that might have just loosened one of the branches, and suddenly it comes in. But for this movie, we're going to believe that the demons have been arisen. And, and as I said, a lot of the special effects movie, uh, parts of this movie is really ho-hum. You can see in this scene that there is... Um, a part of the ground that is actually being lifted up by an air compressor. There is a light underneath the, the whole lot of leaves and you've got someone blowing dry ice through a tube that's coming up from under the ground. So we're now understanding that, oh my God, the demonic forces are now being resurrected throughout the woods and they're going to come and uh, attack the people in this cabin. So, you know, we see that this is all starting to, to happen. So, of course, Cheryl... She's very, very agitated that night. She goes to goes to go to bed, but she can hear this voice saying, "Join us." And now this is the you know um, the the famous scene that we've all heard about it time and time again. And we and if you've seen this movie, which I'm pretty much sure that my community would have definitely seen this movie already, so I don't need to tell you what's coming up. But we do see that Cheryl goes into the woods to investigate the strange noises. Now, for the distance that she walks out, you know, it's not it should te technically not be that far away from um from the the cabin but we see that she just walks quite a distance away so it's like okay well you know why are you continually walking further and further away just go out the back door of the cabin stand there and just say what you need to say but stay close to the cabin but no in this scene we've got to walk further and further away and we see that it's at this stage that she is attacked and raped by a demonically possessed tree. So the tree raping scene that we all know about. So she runs back to the to the cabin. And of course we see that the cameraman is chasing her. Which is obviously the demonic forces that are trying to get to her. And we see that she manages to let herself inside. But now this is a very interesting part of the movie. 
And I'm saying this because there is a goof in this movie, and I'll tell you as we go along. Actually, I might even tell you now. So technically, when she gets to the front door, the door is locked, which is okay. You're locking the door from the inside. However, the keys to the actual cabin are put back onto the outside of the um, door where the porch is. So technically, if you've gone inside, so Scott went inside, he was the first person to unlock the cabin. He walked in, he would have the keys with him inside the cabin. You lock the door from the inside, so anyone from the outside just has to knock on the door if there's someone there, and you literally unlock it. You've got the keys with you inside the house or inside the cabin. All of a sudden, the keys are now on the outside. I guess it's more dramatic effect because she's trying to unlock the doors because there's this you know thing creeping up behind her and it's getting closer and closer and she's screaming to someone to not, you know, open the door which is really interesting because the cabin is very very small so if I'm standing there pounding like anything to get someone from inside to hear my pounding on the door it's not going to be that hard to, to write, get somebody up if they're in bed or if they're in the living room to open the door but she is pounding like anything it's almost like I'm pounding on the door but you are you know on a two-story apartment that is way in the back and your your bedroom's way in the back you can't hear me knocking on the door so this is when you know Ash manages to open the door she races in and she is absolutely you know she's she's beside herself because she's bruised and she's that she's you know absolutely you know she's cut to pieces she is so disheveled she is just out of control, which I understand at this time when you've been raped by a tree, you probably would be as well. What the hell happened to you? Cheryl, what's the matter with you? Did something in the woods do this to you? No, it was the woods themselves. They're alive, Ashley. The trees, they're alive. Ash, why don't I take her in the back room so she can lie down? I'm not lying down. I want to get out of here. I want to leave this place right now. Right now, Ashley. Wait a minute. I sure as hell am not leaving any place tonight. Cheryl. Cheryl. Look, Cheryl, there's nothing out there. Trees do not attack people. Ashley, will you drive me into town or not? What, right now? Yeah, look, sure, sure, I'll take you into town, but just listen to what you're saying. I don't care how it sounds. I want to get out of this place right now. Okay, you can stay somewhere in town tonight, huh? So, of course, the, you know, being the nice person that Ash is, he decides, okay, well, if you really want to go into town, I'll drive you. So he jumps into his car and away they go. Of course, as they're driving along and, you know, Cheryl was very, very agitated, they get to the, to the, where the, um, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because it's really interesting to have this, this part of the movie. So they get to the bridge and this is where Ash stops the car and goes, hang on a minute, I'm going to get out and have a look. So he gets out and he literally starts walking and disappears. Now, from the distance that you see in the last shot to where the where the car is to where the, the bridge is, it's literally you can walk four steps and you'll see the bridge. So he starts walking towards the bridge and he sees that the bridge has been completely destroyed. So the only the only bridge from the cabin to the main land or to the main road to get out of there has been destroyed. They can't leave. But Cheryl, you know, when Ash has disappeared, Cheryl's sitting in the car and he, she gets out and starts to call Ash's name. Now, you know, they are not, you know, on the other side of, <laughs> of the woods. They're very, very close to each other. He could, She could literally get out of the car and see Ash. So she starts walking towards where she just realizes where the bridge is. But it is so far away. Like, you can barely see the car's headlights. And at this point, she starts to walk back and Ash comes into, into frame. And this is where she goes, you know, what's going on? And he says, well, look, and we see that the bridge has been destroyed. And she actually realizes now, I mean, Cheryl absolutely panics and she realizes that they're there. They're now trapped. 
there's no way in hell the demonic entity is going to let them leave. And she is just freaking out. But it's almost like she's trying to wrestle you know, Ash away from her because she's so out of control. And this is where you start to think, man, this is a little bit of overacting. I mean, <laughs> calm down a little bit. It's not that bad. Just just relax, you know. But she is just absolutely beside herself. So we still, we still see that she's now being taken back to the, the cabin with Ash. And of course, back at the cabin, Ash decides to listen to more of the tape. He's got a little headset into, or an earpiece that he can listen to it so he can not disturb the rest of the people. And then while he's listening, he realizes, or that he actually hears, he learns that the only way to kill the entity is to dismember a possessed host. So we actually have to find someone who's going to be possessed. Now, this is where I'm saying that a lot of the special effects, um, a lot of the practical effects, a lot of the the, the makeup that they use is very, very rudimentary. It's and Look, I am not a movie maker. I do not claim to be a movie maker. I've never, I mean, I've, I've done, you know, high school plays and stuff like that. But, you know, makeup artistry back in the 80s and the 90s, there, there was no such thing. So really, I've never been, you know, I've, I've got no real insight into this. So I guess, you know, when you're trying to, I mean, this movie was only made for $375,000, which, you know, back in the 80s, that was quite a lot of money. So, I guess, you know, Sam Raimi had to prioritize between what he was going to do with practicality of the effects or the, the puppetry or the, the, the stop motion that he was going to do and stuff like that. So he really had to, I guess, cut corners into certain parts of the movie. So we do see that a lot of the makeup artistry is like very, very rudimentary. As I said, I don't claim to be an expert. I'm just saying that it's it does look that way, you know. So we do see that um, you know, well, Ash, while Ash is listening to the tape, we see that Linda and Shelley are playing spades. And now it's it, this is where you start to think to yourself where there's a lot of, hmm, is that really real or not? Because there's Linda and she's trying to guess what the cards are that, that Shelley holds up. And we do see that she is completely and utterly wrong every time that she actually answers the question. But Shelley is making her believe that, wow, she's got some sort of extrasensory perception and she's some sort of a person that can do all this. This is where a lot of the, where you start to think there's a lot of skeptics out there and they're probably right because, you know, when you got someone going, oh, absolutely. I mean, if we all remember that scene in Ghostbusters, the very first opening scene where Venkman is doing the, the little test to the, to the uh, students across from him and the young guy was actually getting it correct but he was buzzing him the the young girl who was gorgeous was getting them wrong but he's like oh absolutely you definitely got that right when he holds up a five-pointed star and she says oh you know it's some wavy lines and he goes wow that's really really you know you you guessed that correctly wow that's amazing we do see that, that this is that sort of scenario but um and you know and linda does actually say to ash oh wow i'm guessing these cards correctly but this is where you know ash is like he's really not interested in what linda is talking about so he's like yeah yeah whatever it's it's, it's all good but as we're going through cheryl starts calling out the cards correctly without looking at them because she's currently looking out the window and this is where we start to see that she has unfortunately succumbed to the entity and she now levitates in front of them I know now that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is through the act of bodily dismemberment. I would leave now to avoid this horror, but for myself, I, I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. Okay, uh, let me think. Um, it's a seventh. What suit? Um, diamonds. Uh, no, 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 wait. Um, 
hearts. Oh, Mike, it's seven of hearts. You're right. <laughs> hey, Ash, I guessed the card right. Yeah, truly amazing, Linda. I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's really some sort of extra sense or something. You know, like ESP? Okay, try this. Okay, um, it's a seven. I don't believe it! Of spades. <laughs> Queen of spades. Four of hearts. Eight of spades. Two spades. Jack of diamonds. Jack of clubs. <laughs> Disturbed our sleep, awakened us from our ancient slumber. <laughs> you will die like the others before you. One by one, we will take you. Of course, when Cheryl levitates and this whole thing's going on, she starts to attack everybody. So she attacks Linda and stabs Linda in the ankle with a pencil. And, of course, Ash goes to grab a hold of uh, of Cheryl. So this states that Ash, Ash is thrown into a shelf. Scott knocks Cheryl into the cellar and locks her inside. So, yeah, this is where everyone starts to, starts to fight about what they're going to do now. I love it how, you know, there's Cheryl saying in the beginning, I want to get out of here. I don't want to stay here. And Scott's like, we're not going anywhere. We're staying here. Well, now all of a sudden he's like, you know, we should really get out of here. <laughs> but, you know, this is whole this whole thing is now, okay, we are really, this whole thing is getting out of control. What the hell are we going to do? And you know, having become paranoid upon seeing Cheryl's demonic transformation, Shelley lies down in her, in her room but's drawn back to look out the window where a demon crashes through and attacks her, turning her into a deadite. And it's like, God damn it, you know, she was actually really good. But before this all happens, they're, they're discussing what's going on because, you know, we've got Cheryl that's now looking up from the cellar and she is really you know, trying to entice anyone to maybe come over and unlock her gate <laughs> so she can come out and maybe just do what she wants to do, which is basically kill everybody in the room. Ash, I think you ought to get out of here. before morning. I don't think I can wait that long. You have to. We all have to. And then in the morning, we'll get in the car and we'll take the bridge. And... Does she keep making those horrible noises? I don't know! thing about this movie as we go along getting towards the end of the podcast is the fact that there's a lot of screaming and yelling and explosions and stabbings and stuff that the they've actually really tried to limit the amount of uh, I guess dialogue in this movie somewhat because it really comes down to once everyone seems to be killed poor old you know, Ash is there just by himself but we do see as I said that uh, Shelley has now become a deadite and uh, so <laughs> and so she comes in and she attacks Scott before he throws her into a fireplace. Now, he, he is, you know, he's being pushed down into the fireplace and he manages to turn her over. 
and throw her into it. She somehow comes out of the out of the um, fireplace. She's not on fire. Parts of her is not on fire. But she goes to attack Scott again. And this is when he manages to slash at her wrists and then stabs her in the back with a Sumerian dagger that they found with the Book of the Dead. And apparently they've killed her. Or Scott's killed her. And it's like, oh, thank goodness, you know. And then, of course, all of a sudden she reanimates again. And this is when Scott grabs um, an axe that happens to be just lying around hand. Very, very handy. But it is actually handy because it, it was used to chop up the wood. And he dismembers her with an axe and it i like it how he's very very cool and calm and collected because he and he and ash then have a discussion about well um what are we going to do now <laughs> you know we've just you've just killed uh shelly what, what do we do Scott. yeah what is what are we gonna do We're gonna bury her. You can't bury Shelly. She's a she's a friend of ours. Ah, she's dead. Shelly's dead. We gotta bury her now. So I don't know about you, but I think that, you know, if I've managed to um, suddenly chop up my friend who, once again, as I said, the prosthetics are very, very limited. A lot of the, the puppetry is very, very limited. You can you can see that it's just, it's it's good, not great, not, <laughs> not great at all. But I think I'd be a little bit more freaked out if I've just dismembered a friend of mine who I happen to have been, you know, with uh, in that sort of moment. So we do see that they drag her outside and they start you know just digging away in the ground and bury her and it's it's at this stage that we then go back to the uh, to the cabin and linda has got a problem obviously with her ankle because she's had um a demon stab her into the ankle with some with the, some pencils so this is where ash and scott start to talk backwards and forwards about well you know what are we going to do because scott decides he wants to leave and find his way back to town and so he's just he's adamant about this now as i said it's really interesting where he was sitting there saying to Ash, I'm not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere. To now suddenly, I'm getting the hell out of here. Linda's still sleeping. I think once a leg... I'm getting out of here. Scott, we can't take Linda anywhere with a leg like that. We don't even know if there is any other way back besides the bridge. Well, maybe there's a hiking trail or an old road or some other way around the cliff. I mean, there's got to be another way besides the bridge. Listen to me. Linda cannot walk with a leg like that. She can't even stand up. Well, then we'll leave her here. Until we can send somebody back. What, are you crazy? Look, I'm getting out. I don't care what happens to her. She's your girlfriend. You take care of her. I'm getting the hell out of here right now. So look, I do understand if that's your girlfriend, you deal with her. I'm not dealing with her. I'm getting the hell out of here. But you know, Scott is absolutely adamant at this moment. He is like he's leaving, and he basically says to to Ash, "Look, I'm going. You're staying if you want to stay with her, but I'm definitely leaving." And so you see him start walking away from the cabin. So it's maybe that okay. So maybe I'll find someone and bring them back. Unfortunately, he returns shortly after that, and he's actually mortally wounded by the possessed trees. And he's trying to warn Ash that. The trees won't let them escape alive. And and the fact that, yes, Cheryl was actually right when she was saying that there are things out in the woods that are attacking them because I was attacked. And, yeah, we are not being able to leave at all. Ash, it's not going to let us leave. Cheryl. Cheryl was right. We're all going to die here. No, we're not going to die. We're all going to die. All of us. <laughs> 
No, we're not gonna die. We're not gonna die. We're gonna get out of here. Now listen to me, Scotty. Is there a way around the bridge? Scotty, listen to me, please, for God's sake. Scott! Come on. Ash. Ash, I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me, are you, Ash? Are you? I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me here, are you? Are you, Ash? <laughs> Scotty, now come on, listen to me, for God's sake. Is there a way around the bridge? There's a way. The trail. But the trees, Ash. Hey, no. Don't you see, Ash? They're alive! So I love the fact that there is uh, Scott saying, you're not going to leave me, Ash. But he was very, very keen to just walk out and leave Ash all there by himself. So it's like I would have actually said to him, well, you were going to leave me. So, yeah, I'm going to leave you. God damn it. But unfortunately, we see that Scott does pass away shortly after telling him that the trees are possessed and they're not going to let him leave. So this is when Ash decides that he's going to check up on Linda. But unfortunately, he's horrified to find that she's become possessed as well. And she attacks him, but he stabs her with a Sumerian dagger. As I said, the Sumerian dagger was the one that they found with the Book of the Dead. And it's at this stage that uh, he is really he's unwilling to dismember her because he manages to get a hold of her. And put her over, like, onto a, I guess onto, like, um, yeah, it would be onto a table. And he's going to ready to get saw her in half. But he just, he can't do it. He just, he just can't bring her, bring himself to dismember her. So he decides to bury her instead. But, you know, before he does that, you know, he's just being tormented by all the demons that are surrounding him. And he's just absolutely at his wit's end. And he's, uh, he, right at this moment, he's completely freaking out. Oh, you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? Shut up. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. Not another peep. Time to go to sleep. We. <laughs> So when I actually hear that uh, that laugh, I always wonder whether Cheryl Moon Zombie actually took that laugh as her own as baby in House of a Thousand Corpses. Listen to that part again. You can hear the the giggling. So you think to yourself that, wow, that really sounds like that's baby's laugh from House of a Thousand Corpses. I just listened to it again. And I'm like, wow, that does sound very, very close. But of course, as I said, you know, he's, he's unwilling to dismember her. So he buries her instead. Of course, she revives and attacks him, forcing him to do decapitate her with a shovel. And it's like, okay, cool. Uh, her headless body bleeds on his face as it tries to rape him. I don't understand, don't really see that part of the movie. I can't remember that, or maybe I just blacked out, but apparently that's what happened. So he manages to escape as Linda dies and then retreats back into the cabin. So it's at this stage now that we're really coming to the end of the, the movie and we're seeing that there is a lot of screaming and everything and, and all that sort of stuff. So the the uh, a lot of the, the, the dialogue has now become obsolete. So back inside, Ash discovers that Cheryl has escaped the cellar and Cheryl eludes Ash and attempts to choke him. So... It's, it's it's interesting how she manages to get out, and, and this is one of the fun facts at the last part of the movie, um, when we get into the fun facts, that there's a bit of continuity that could have actually been utilised in this part. 
But, you know, we don't really know. Now, Ash, esca Ash escapes her grasp and then shoots Cheryl in the jaw. As Ash is barricading the door, Scott reanimates into a deadite. Now, um, I don't really see how Scott was supposed to be reanimated into a deadite because a lot of these things, you either have to be bitten by one, but now all of a sudden, you know, they're just being reanimated. Now, I must admit, uh, Scott's makeup artistry is probably the worst one out of all of them the, he looks plastic he looks very he looks it looks overdone and i was you know this is where you sit there and go mm -hmm, okay now don't get confused with the new remake of evil dead in 2013 where that was absolutely outstanding this one is like oh it's, it's very much low uh, very low tech latex and foam rubber and but it's really done in such a way that it really looks terrible but his is probably one of the worst makeup artistry um or artistic designs that are probably the worst unfortunately so as he goes to attack ash and in inadvertently knocks the book of the dead into the fireplace ash gouges out scott's eyes and pulls a tree branch from scott's stomach now which is interesting because um we don't know, did he swallow a tree? Did he swallow a branch? We don't know, because we didn't, we didn't see him get attacked. All we see is him coming back to the cabin, saying that he was, attract, uh, he was attacked by the trees in the woods. So this is where the continuity doesn't follow along. It should have actually gone from the cabin. It should have actually followed Scott. And I think if any filmmakers were actually good they i mean you know, if you go if you're a good filmmaker you tie those loose ends together i mean maybe it would have been yeah i don't know maybe film another five minutes or three minutes even just showing him being attacked like cheryl was in the woods obviously not getting raped by a tree but just seeing what actually happened to scott because him just arriving back saying oh well you know I, i've been cut up and the trees won't let me leave and the demons won't let us leave well just give us an idea of what actually happened to him but, you know, as we said, he, tree, he pulls a, a, uh, a tree branch from Scott's stomach, causing him to bleed out and fall to the ground. This is where a lot of the stop motion comes into play, and you see him start to disintegrate, and you can see the foam rubber, and you can see that it's, it's very, very old school. You know, and when I say old school, this is... Like, I remember when I was at school, I did a lot of stop motion in my film class that I was actually learning. And it's really, really fun to do. You know, you, you do a little bit and you take a photograph, do a little bit more, take a photograph, and then when you splice it all together and reel it through, it looks like it's all one continuous shot. It's, it's a great way of doing it. So I think Sam Raimi really utilised that part of the stop motion into this movie because you can see, you know, him utilising it in every facet of this, this uh, movie. So unfortunately... He does fall out, and he, sorry, he does bleed out and, and falls to the ground. Cheryl breaks through the trap door and knocks Ash to the floor. As Scott and Cheryl continue to attack Ash on the ground, Ash grabs the, the uh, Book of the Dead and throws it into the fireplace. So it's like, okay, well, I guess if we throw the book into the fireplace, this whole thing is going to be finished. Well, no. While the book burns, the deadites freeze in place and then begin to rapidly decompose. Now, this is, as I said, this is the stop motion that comes in in this part of the movie. So... We've seen small little snippets of stop motion, but this is the big part of the movie where we start to see them um, starting to decompose in the stop motion, um, you know, the way they, they actually run it. Large appendages burst from both corpses covering Ash in blood. The bodies of Scott and Cheryl then completely decompose and dawn breaks and Ash stumbles outside. So you think to yourself, okay, so he's, he's survived the night, that's fine. He's now walking out into the daylight and everything's good. As Ash walks away from the cabin, an unseen demon moves rapidly through the forest, rushes through the cabin and attacks him as he screams in terror. The movie then goes black and that is the end of part one where we, part, where we pick up an Evil Dead part two and that is the beginning of part two at the end of part one. Look, as I said, I, I 
I like this movie. It's not great because there is a lot of gleaming uh, errors in this movie. And as I said, I'm going to be including those into the last part of this, the um, the trivia and stuff like that. But look, it's for 1981. You know, if I say that, you know, on a scale of zero to five buckets of blood, how do I get the last from zero being how do I get the last you know hour of my life back to five? It was a perfect movie and I'd watch it all over again. I will give it a solid three because it's Evil Dead. It's the original and it's good. Not great. There's not a huge amount of storyline to this. Um, there's practical effects are very, very questionable. The, I guess even the um, the dialogue's questionable, the acting's questionable. But listen, they're all brand new actors, so you've you got to cut them a bit of slack. But look, you know, I'll I'll give it a solid three. Not it is good, not great, but you know what? It was it was a fun watch, and I've watched part two, and I will say that there are some there are some errors in part two that I just don't understand. But I'll get into part two next week. But before we finish this podcast, we have to do Paul's Fun Facts. So they have got tons upon tons upon tons of fun facts, you know, errors, um, continuity errors, writing problems. They've got a whole lot of stuff on IMDb. So if you're really interested, please log on to IMDb and have a look because it is absolutely hilarious the amount of problems they have with this movie. So during the dinner scene where the basement door flies open, you can briefly see the arm of the person who flung it open. So it's like, um, whoops, I guess there's a problem there. The giant piece of wood that Ash is beating his girlfriend in the head with is obviously foam. And that makes sense because you're not going to beat the shit out of an actress with a real bit of wood it actually breaks in half while he's doing it and you can see that he is desperately trying to hold it together so as i said the fun facts this one is going to be a mix of everything from continuity errors you know plot errors you know it's going to be a whole lot so it's just not going to be trivia it's a bit of everything today which i actually think is, is really quite interesting so the amount of uh the amount varies a lot by which cheryl can partially open the basement trap door in her repeated attempts to get out so when you know cheryl is in there and she's trying to get out she's trying to get you know to the people or to Ash and everyone else, you can see that she pushes the the um, trap door open, but it really is big enough. In fact, at points it seems that the gap is wide enough for her to slither out from, but she doesn't even attempt to do it. So it's it's really interesting that she manages to, when they first lock her in, you know, she can just barely open it a little bit to the point where at one stage she pushes it open enough to extend her arm out fully where she could really hold it up and, and crawl out. So I was like, well, give us the continuity. Which one is it going to be? Is it going to be really, really open or really, really small? Not really sure about that, but you know, it, it's very interesting to think that they actually didn't get the continuity right on that one. Now, another another continuity is when Scotty is fighting with Shelley in front of the fireplace, Shelley is holding the Kandarian dagger. However, when the shot cuts to Scotty trying to get his buck knife out of its sheath that he's, he's holding in his, uh, in his pants, you can see the Kandarian dagger lying on the floor to the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. So it's like, well... Did she hold it and drop it, or did she never grab it, or was she holding it? With help, I need, I need some, I need some, some continuity on this one. 
When Cheryl is first possessed, Ash, Linda and Shelley are standing looking at her, which is almost like deer in the headlights sort of scenario, like, oh, let's watch her and see what happens. In one shot, Shelley is behind a chair. In the next shot, the chair is lying on its side on the floor. So, you know, as, as a filmmaker, if anyone in my audience is an upcoming filmmaker, I will ask this just once of you guys. Please remember your shots because you want the continuity to be you know, continuous. You don't want people to sit there and go, hang on, something's, something's not right there. So, I mean, yeah, as I said, you've you got to take this for the possibility of this poor guy was just learning his craft. So you can't really be that bad. So when Cheryl runs back onto the porch after being raped by the tree, there, the, there are three porch lights on the top of the cabin. Okay, remember this one. One at each end and one directly above the door. As the evil is approaching Cheryl, who is trying to unlock the door, the light above the door is missing. After Cheryl makes it back into the cabin, the evil retreats back into the woods and suddenly the light above the door has mysteriously reappeared. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's that's the whole whole thing of continuity. Just two more to finish off the podcast. So Shelley's socks keeps changing throughout her dismemberment scene. She keeps switching between pink socks with a distinct pattern to, jar to dark cherry-coloured socks with no pattern. Also, when Scott is cutting off her feet, her jeans are pulled up almost close to her knees, but in the final shot they are pulled down to her ankles with her feet intact. <laughs> so, <laughs> please, people, please think of continuity for us poor people that sit there and watch movies and go, hang on a minute. <laughs> and as I said, the last one that of, of this uh, of the interesting fun facts, as I said before, is when Cheryl runs back to the cabin after being raped by the tree, even though everyone else is inside and the door is locked, the keys are somehow above the door on the outside of the cabin. So once again, there's no reason for them to be on the outside, but we'll go with it because we didn't think that that through very much. <laughs> Anyway, look, thank you very much for coming to visit me at the Horror Crypt Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the look back at Evil Dead, the very original 1981. Next week, we go on to part two, which is Dead by Dawn. There are some continuity errors on that one. There is some story errors that I have actually can't actually believe, but we're going to get to them on that, that week. But... Um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed doing this podcast. I'm amazed that I actually forgot about doing this one all the way back when it started uh, the podcast. But I guess I was so hell-bent on doing things like Nightmare on Elm Street and Return of the Living, Living Dead and stuff like that that I didn't think to myself, hang on a minute, what about we go back to 1981 for the original Evil Dead? So look, I've I've gone all the way back there. So we're going to go uh, next week, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, and then the following week, the Army of Darkness, and uh, it's very, very interesting as we go along. But look, as I said, thank you very much once again for coming to visit me every week of the Horror Crypt Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for make for making the effort to download this and listen to me. As I said, there may be a time in the near distant future or somewhere along the tracks where you'll get so sick to death of my voice, you'll just tune out or find another podcast to listen to. But right now, I am just so thrilled that everyone keeps coming back week after week to listen to me because I'm literally just sitting here in the studio looking at the screen, just talking about a movie that I, I enjoy and hoping that you find some fun facts as we go along. And if it does interest you to watch this movie, um, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. I have got the uh, the copy of it on DVD. Um, and if you want to watch number two and number three, I know they are streaming currently on YouTube. They're ad-free, so you don't have to worry about that. I do know that part two is also um, being uh, streamed on Shudder. Once again, I'm not affiliated with Shudder in any way, shape or form. I just happen to 
find it there. So if you're interested and you do have Shudder, go and watch um, Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn on there. But as I said, uh, thank you for coming and visit me once again. And I'll say, like I say every week at the end of every podcast, I will creep you later. I was watching Poltergeist last month. I got a question. Why don't white people just leave the house when there's a ghost in the house? Y'all stay in the house too fucking long. Get the fuck out of the house. Very simple. It's a ghost in the house. Get the fuck out. And not only did they stay in the motherfucking house and Poltergeist, they invited more white people over. Sitting around going, our daughter Carol Ann's on the television set. I would have been gone. If I had a daughter been down the precinct saying, look, man, uh, I went home and my fucking daughter's in the TV set and shit, so I just fucking left. Um, you can have all that shit. I ain't going to back, back to the motherfucking. Uh, I just came down, so when she ain't up at school, you th- don't think I killed the bitch or nothing like that. But she is inside the TV set. You can have all that shit. Fuck it. Uh, Mr. Murphy, didn't you try to save your daughter? Yeah, I'm a man and shit. I tried to save. I turned the channel. The shit didn't work. I got the fuck out. Please. Kid was only six years old in the movie. They couldn't have been too attached to her.